Thank you, Aaron and Ron. Good morning and welcome to Calvary Church. Whether you're outside in the wet patio or online or in the sanctuary today, I just want to say welcome. My name is Josh and I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary Church. Um, I focus specifically with middle school and all church events, but I'm really excited to be sharing with you this morning. Um, And I hope you had an amazing Christmas with your family and friends and maybe had a little chance to uh, relax and have some downtime. Um, Now, I have a question. Who here, when they have downtime, likes to scroll on social media? Be honest. Maybe you don't like doing it, but you do it anyway. Okay, scrolling on social media. This is kind of like a newer thing for me, but I find myself grabbing my phone when I'm just sitting on the couch, and I start scrolling through Instagram. And then suddenly, I'll find something that, like, sparks my interest, right? I'll be like, oh, that's funny, and so I'll like it. And then if I like it enough, I might forward it to some of my friends. And uh, here's an example of something that stood out to me. Uh, This one came up, and I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, It's Kermit the Frog, and it says... Hacker, I have all your passwords. Me, OMG, thank you, what are they? Does anybody relate to that? I cannot remember my password. So I thought that was funny, so I liked it, said it to a few friends, and then all of a sudden, I started getting more Kermit memes. So here's another good one. I'm at a place in life where errands are starting to count as going out. So like on Friday, if I go to Target, that means I went out. Yeah, I have big plans, I'm going to Target. You know, like, I'm at that point. Okay, here's another good one. Um, How am I supposed to lose weight when the best part about life is food? Can anyone relate to that after Christmas and Thanksgiving and all that food we just ate? And then a good one that's appropriate for today. I just realized the last day of 2023 will be one, two, three, one, two, three. You guys, today is 2023. It is the last day of the year. We did it. We made it. And it is a time of looking back, reflecting on the past, but also looking forward and setting new goals. Question, does anyone here set goals for the new year? Does anybody make New Year's resolutions? Not not many people. Okay, well, you still have a chance. You can do it right now. Boys and girls in the audience, do you guys have any goals for the new year? Okay, well, I thought it would be interesting to check out what the topmost popular goals or New Year resolutions were. So here we go. Let's go through them together. Number 10 is to read more. Nine, travel more. Eight, spend more time with family and friends. Seven, quit smoking. Six, save more money, spend less money. Okay, number five, live life to the fullest. Number four, learn a new skill or hobby. Number three, get organized. Number two, lose weight. And then obvious number one, exercise more. Okay, so I don't know if you had any connections. Maybe one of those was actually on your list. If so, you're in the top 10 most popular resolutions. Um, As we look at the internet, um, WebMD says, the drive for making resolutions is motivated by this punctuation in time. It activates hope and expectations for what we hope to achieve looking forward. And as I look at this concept of looking forward or going forward, I feel like that pops up a lot in scripture, a lot in the Bible. Today we're going to look at a story in Luke 15, but before I do that, I actually want to check out Philippians 3. Uh, This is a passage where Paul is challenging the church in Philippi. He's challenging them to not focus just on their past, but to look forward. And this is what he says 
He says, I don't mean that I have already achieved these things or that I have already achieved or reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting what is past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting what is past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And as I was planning and trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about on this special New Year's Sunday, it was that concept of forgetting what is past and looking forward to what lies ahead. A lot of times we're unable to move forward and reach to our fullest potential because of the chains of the past that are binding us. Some of us are stuck in the past, which makes us feel lost, makes us feel separated from God. Um, So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna open up to Luke chapter 15. If you use the Bible that's right in front of you, for the New Living Translations is on page 628. So in this familiar passage in Luke 15, Jesus is talking about three parables or three stories that he uses. I think you guys know them. What are they? The three things, the three lost things. What's the first one? The lost sheep, the lost coin. No, you're right. I hear you were there. And then the lost son, right? So we're familiar with this. So who here has ever lost something important to them? Okay, I just remembered this story. When I was a kid and we used to get Christmas presents, um, my younger brother, Luke, who's actually working in the tech booth, uh, he used to steal some of our presents and hide them under his bed. I remember him stealing this remote-controlled motorcycle that I got that I loved. And this is old school because the cord was actually connected to the remote control. It wasn't wireless yet. And I loved it. It was so exciting. And Luke took it, and he also found a pair of scissors and he thought it would be fun to cut the wires. Uh, but um, it stinks to lose something that's important to you. Um, some of you know, if you follow me on Instagram, I had the opportunity to travel um, earlier this year in September. I went with a group of friends to Europe, and I experienced some loss. Um, right when we arrived in London, we went to the train station, and my backpack got stolen. It was such a bummer, right? Like, you put it down for one minute, you look away, and you come back, and you're like, wait, where's my backpack? And luckily, I had my passport and my wallet, but I lost um, my glasses, I lost my headphones, a lot of stuff, my Bible, my journal, all these things that were valuable to me, some cash in there. And so that was really frustrating, right? Have you guys experienced that, that loss? You're just like, ah, I wish I had that. I was able to move on, and uh, we started our trip from London. We, f- we took the train over to Paris, And here's a picture of me uh, near the Eiffel Tower with my beret. Um, And this actually, I got lost in Paris. I was with my group of friends. We went on the Eiffel Tower, and we were in line to go down on the elevator, you know, to go back down after we've toured the top. And I was like, ooh, I need to go to the gift shop. I love souvenirs. I just, I got to do it. So I ran over there. They're like, Josh, hurry. We're going to get in the elevator. We're going to go down. So I run in there, and I'm trying to buy something. And um, I'm buying something. They have my credit card. And then they're like, Josh, we're going. Josh, we're going. I'm like, hold on. You know, like, and then I come out, and I can't find my friends anywhere. So I'm like, oh, they must have already gone down. So I jump in line, go down the elevator. And I, then I, like, texted them on my way. I said, like, I'm going down the elevator. And they're like, we're not even in the elevator yet. And I was like, well, I beat you. And I was, like, so cocky. And so, like, I'm so cool. Like, I beat them. And they were all worried. But then as I'm sending that last text, my phone died. And I get down at the bottom, and I'm just waiting. And I was like, oh, they're going to be so impressed that I beat them down. 
And then I wait, and I wait, and loads of people come off the elevator, and loads of people come off, and they never come. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm lost in Paris, right? They could make a whole series, like, Emily in Paris could be like, Josh, lost in Paris or something, right? Like, I was like, what's going on? Like, I'm stuck all alone. I have no phone. They went down a different elevator. I found them eventually. But I was nervous. I was more nervous that they'd be mad at me than anything. I knew I would find them. But uh, it stinks. It's hard. It's scary when you feel lost. So let's pick up our story here. We're actually going to be in Luke 15, starting with verse 11. And this is a story of the lost son. Sometimes it's called the prodigal son, which means that he lives recklessly or wastefully. So let's pick up our story in verse 11. Jesus is giving this illustration. He says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now you can imagine what an insult this would be for this son, this young son, to come to his father and say, hey, I want my inheritance now before you die. Give me my share of the estate. Typically, when, you, when do you receive an inheritance? When your parents maybe pass away, they give you, they leave something to you. But the son, he's arrogant. He goes to his father, and I imagine he's thinking, I know how to live my life better than you do. Give me my money now. I'm going to go away and do my own thing. So the father agrees. It says, a few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out. And great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. And I think this is so true. We think that if we go off and do things our own way, it will be better. And um, when life is good, it, it actually is good. When he had this money, I bet he was surrounded by people that loved him. And they were like, yeah, let's hang out. Oh, you're going to buy dinner? Let's great. Let's do this. And he had all these friends in this great life. And then all of a sudden, his money runs out. All of a sudden, there's a famine. All of a sudden, he's starting to starve And all of a sudden, he's realizing that he made a terrible mistake. He goes on, he says, He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. This is when reality strikes, that he is fully, fully lost, alone, and desperate. And this is something that maybe you've experienced in life when you feel lost, alone, or desperate. And it automatically makes me think of my favorite Christmas movie, but maybe my favorite movie of all time, that Tim Nellis referenced a few weeks ago. It's a Wonderful Life. You see here a picture of George Bailey on the bridge, and he is considering ending his life because he's lost all hope. He's lost money. His life is not going the way he wanted. He thinks he would be better off if he never lived. And in this next picture, you look at his face and his eyes, you see this desperation, this definitely this feeling that he's lost, that he has no hope. And I know some of you have been there. And maybe you're right there now. I've been there in different parts of my life where you feel like there is no hope. In Ephesians 2.12, It says, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. 
and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. And I think that's a common phrase, without God, without hope. Without God, there's very little hope. There's no hope. And I feel like that's where George Bailey is, without God, without hope. Just so you know, the movie has a good ending. If you want to see it, definitely recommend it. Um, But without hope, without God. And that is where the prodigal son is. That's where the lost son is right now. He is without God, without his father. He is without hope. Picking up in verse 17, it says, When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me in as a hired servant. So the lost son, he comes to his senses. He says, I must go home. I'm starving. I have nothing. I made a huge mistake. I am lost. I am without hope. I am desperate. He says, I'm going to go home. He has a speech prepared that he's going to tell his father. He has it memorized. Maybe he has note cards. He has this speech prepared. And then this is what happens. It says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, this is the speech, he says, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But then something happens. The father interrupts, and he says this, but his father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, and now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he was found. So the party began. I love this idea of the father interrupting his son and not caring about his past, not looking at the past, but moving forward and said, this lost son of mine has returned. I have an image here that is familiar to a lot of you. It's a famous painting by Rembrandt, um, painted in 1663, a long time ago. And this is a beautiful picture. It's called The Return of the Prodigal Son, or The Return of the Lost Son. And as you look at this image, actually, just take a minute and look at this image. What stands out to you? What do you see? I see a son that has made some awful choices in his past. I see a son that's missing a sandal, um, shaved head, dirty clothes. But then I also see this father that is just lovingly embracing his son. Not worried about the past, not blaming him, not pointing the finger, but just embracing his son. I love how this captures the story we just read. In this picture, in this story, we see forgiveness, we see hope, we see redemption. In Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man, that is how Jesus refers to himself, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. What an encouragement, what an amazing phrase that Jesus has come to seek and save those who are lost. 
The story of the lost son goes on and talks about the older brother who's outside and kind of frustrated that the father is celebrating with this lost son, the son that made poor choices. But the truth is, God wants to celebrate with all of us. God wants to be with us. God wants us to be part of his family. And sometimes we're so focused on our past and we feel like we're not good enough. We're too far gone. I could never go home. The father would never accept me. There's no way. I could never do that. God would never want to take me back. I imagine some of you feel that way. Maybe not outside and on the outside of your face and like you smile and stuff, but maybe deep down you feel like you're too bad, too sinful, too far gone. A lot of the times we're unable to move forward and reach our fullest potential in the Lord because the chains of the past are binding us. This reminds me of another fantastic film and another fantastic book that I think is familiar to many of us, The Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. In this scene, we see the great lion Aslan and the young boy Edmund, and they're having a conversation. This is a scene from the film. And in the story, after Edmund, this boy, is rescued from the white witch, he has a talk with Aslan. And after all that Edmund has done, he's pretty awful, running away from his siblings, joining the white witch, hoping to become king on on his own, and then ending up as a captive. One wonders, how could Aslan ever forgive Edmund? C.S. Lewis writes this. He says, as soon as they breakfasted, they all went out. And there they saw Aslan and Edmund walking together in the dewy grass, apart from the rest of the court. There was no need to tell, and no one ever heard what Aslan was saying. But it was a conversation which Edmund would never forget. As the others drew near, Aslan turned to meet them, bringing Edmund with him. Watch this part. Here is your brother, he said, and there is no need to talk to him about what is past. I just love that. There's no need to talk about what is past. In the film, they say, what is done is done. There's no need to talk to Edmund about what is past. Edmund is fully restored after his conversation with, uh, with Aslan. And there's no need for us to walk around with the shame and the guilt of our past because Christ himself has already released us from that burden. And he's saying, let it go. And few people can say it better than Elsa, right? Let it go, let it go. Ah, I'm just joking, but that is such a great phrase, let it go. Let it go. And I'm not going to pretend that this is easy. I'm not saying, oh, just move on from your past, let it go. I understand that it's, it's a process, it's hard. Aaron was just talking about soul care, and maybe that's something you need. Maybe that's something you need, some counseling or somebody to talk to about difficult things in your past. But I do feel like we hold on tightly to the things of our past where God is encouraging us to move forward. So how do we start this process of letting go? One of my favorite passages that we've uh, read a few times this season um, is Romans 8, verse 1. It says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because though Christ Jesus, or through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You are set free. What an amazing blessing, right? Amen? You are set free because of Jesus. 
This month in December, we had been going through Advent. We had the table up here with the candles. And we talked about four words that were pretty significant. Hope, joy, peace, and love. My question for you is, what do you need as we enter 2024? Do you need more hope? Do you need joy? Do you need peace? Do you need love? Um, Like I said, we get stuck in the past, and the chains of our past hold us down. But Jesus has set us free, and he's saying, let it go. But it's a process. We need soul care. We need people to care for us. But we also need these things that God is offering. God offers us hope. God offers us joy. God offers us peace. God offers us love. And we need those in our life. As you leave today, I have these out in the lobby. And it says, take what you need for 2024. And as you leave, you can literally just rip one of these off with some some Bible verses of encouragement. But I just think that's a great way to practically say, you know what, let's, let's take the next step forward in working through some of the difficult things maybe you're struggling with, maybe the things you're holding on to. Today we're going to respond. It's a fifth Sunday, and we like to focus on prayer. And we're going to respond with a, a different type of prayer. So we're going to do something called hand prayers. I'm skipping there. There we go. Um, and so here you can see behind me the different postures of prayer that we're going to focus on this morning. One is a clenched fist. Everybody hold up their fist. Clench it. Yeah. Uh, you got it? And this represents something that you're holding on to. Maybe it's your past. Maybe it's something you need to release, let go. Maybe it's a grudge. Maybe it's some shame. Maybe it's a mistake you made. I don't know. What is it? But maybe that's something that you're holding on to. The next posture is kind of having your open hands like this, palms face down. So everybody do that? Beautiful. And this is a visual of releasing and releasing to God and letting go of maybe something that you've been holding on to. And then finally, we'll respond with palms up. And this is a posture of receiving. And what does God want to give you as we enter 2024? What do you need from the Lord? So I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. We're going to bow our heads, but we're going to go through those postures together. So literally, I'm going to ask you to do those physical things with your hand, and I'm going to lead you through a time of prayer and response. So let's bow our heads together as we pray. Clenched fists, consider what you're holding on to today. Oh, Lord, We come before you with clenched fists. We recognize that the things of this world are not right and they're difficult. We grasp tightly to our disappointment over things we can't control and the things of our past. Sometimes we're frustrated or chained by our choices, our pain, our hurts, our sin, and our shame. Lord, you told us that we'd have trouble in this world and we feel it. Posture number two, open palm down. What is God inviting you to let go of, to surrender, to release to him today? Oh, merciful God, we invite you to cast off our burdens as we open our hands and loosen our tight grip of control. Clenched fists cannot give and clenched fists cannot receive. So we release 
what we're clinging to to the feet of Jesus. Lord, we need your compassion, your mercy. Lord, where we have expectations, Lord, be generous to us. Where we have skepticism, be gracious to us. Where we are hopeless, be our living hope. And then third posture, palms up. Lord, what are you saying? What are you inviting us to receive from you today? God of grace, we turn our hands over with palms up as a symbol of our desire to receive from you. You are the father of every good and perfect gift. We want to yield to your direction in our lives. We recognize our need for patience and our need for you. Lord, we ask that you're near to us and that you give us your hope, your joy, your love, and your peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.